Right, well, hello and welcome to this first in a series of commentaries um, from Film Studies Fundamentals. Uh, my name is Mr. Moreno Melgar, and today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be watching um, Joe Cornish's film Attack the Block. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with this film, hopefully you've seen it a couple of times, and at this point what you're now doing is you're kind of re-watching it, and you're getting new ideas, you're revising ideas, but you're also wanting to get ideas of other people and to kind of see how they compare. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to watch the film through, as I'm watching it I'm going to offer you some ideas, some insights, uh, a range of different things that are kind of coming up on screen, some contextual information, and then some of my interpretations and analysis um, as well as some interpretations and analysis that have come from me um, watching the film with the commentaries on. So I'll kind of pass across some of those ideas and some ideas that Joe Cornish himself um, has given in interviews. And the same goes for the producers and the actors as well. So a whole range of different ideas. We're going to start in a moment, but just really quickly, just to kind of recap some important information. So, Attack the Block, then, uh, released in 2011, is uh, one of the films which is available for study for Component 2 of GCSE Film Studies. Um, by that we mean it's a UK film produced since 2011, and the focus on this is film style. So we're going to do an awful lot of commentary today on kind of how something looks, how something sounds, why it sounds that way. Um, and then I'll be talking about what some of those influences are. So, you know, what kind of things have been made before, that Joe Cornish watched, that people are familiar with, that have influenced the way in which the film looks, the way in which the film sounds, and kind of the way in which the film feels. But I'm going to try and use um, film form or film language as much as I can to try and do that. We're going to start in just a moment. Um, the best way of doing this is probably to watch along as you are um, listening to this. So what I'll do is I'll kind of give you a bit of a breakdown, I'll give you a bit of a warning about various things in terms of like when we're going to start or um, if I think it's worth just pausing just for a moment so we can look at something really specific. Um, and what I'll do every now and again when I think it's particularly important, I'll just flag up something which I think is kind of really key. Um, so if we look at this in terms of film style, as I said, one of the things I think is really important is to kind of think about some of the key ideas in terms of how you think the film looks. But I'm going to be looking at this from kind of perspective of what I think is really important. So we're going to be talking about how this film looks like it's a sci-fi film. We're going to be talking about the influence of Britain and British culture. We're going to be talking about the influence of some of the films which Joe Cornish watched when he was growing up and some of those kind of key visual ideas which have come about from the production of the film and the context of the film itself. Right, okay. Having said all of that then, I think it's probably time that we make a start on this. So, as I said, best thing to do is to have in front of you a copy of the film, however you are watching it, but what I would suggest is that you press play um, when I do. So, to do that, what I'm going to do is I will give you a countdown and then we'll start, but I'm going to start from the very, very beginning of the film. Okay, so literally from the very beginning of the DVD. Um, I'm not going to skip ahead to anything. I'm going to start with the... Um, the very beginning where it's going to be completely black screen okay so if i just turn down my copy of the film right right down so you might hear occasions in the background just a little bit um and if for example i go quiet what i'll do is i'll put the sound of the, the film up a little bit so you can hear those particular bits as well right let's make a start okay so i'm going to start playing the film in three two one Right, so the interesting thing about this to begin with is obviously you are going to have the kind of like the identity of the production company, the um, kind of key people who are involved in terms of like the finance and the distribution of the film. However, what you don't get with those identities is their own individual sounds. You don't get their theme tunes, you don't get any kind of um, noise from those. Instead, what you get is the sound from the film itself. So you're actually going to get the um, part of the soundtrack, so part of the um, non-diegetic score, which has been created for the film from Basement Jacks. 
Um, if you want to know more about some of these productions and uh, production companies and distribution companies, it's worth kind of researching some of those and how the film came to be and where the money came from and how that might be particularly influential. But what I think is probably a bit more important is if you listen very closely, you can hear kind of some of the opening sounds and some of the opening um, kind of moments of the score, which are going to start to kind of influence and already build ideas, which then reach somewhat of a crescendo at the very beginning of the film when we've got this black and white almost kind of screen, which actually we then find out is then going to be the stars. We then have, as you can hopefully now see, um, a shooting star. And now as the score has become a bit more loud um, and you've got a bit more volume to it and you're kind of building this sense of the kind of like the trumpets and those kind of like classical film scores, the camera is then tilted down and what we've got then are fireworks and we're going to see that it's actually nighttime. And as we tilt down, we've then got this idea about, right, an establishing shot which we now know is London because we can see the underground and we can see the underground in the far distance in this extreme long shot. And the underground there shows that obviously this is going to be a real place, a real time. And the fireworks are suggesting that this is going to be perhaps bonfire night or it's going to be some form of celebration. OK, so it's like a big, important, busy evening. Uh, we've got this lovely establishing shot, as we said, so we can see that life is happening. And we've then got our main character, our protagonist then, who, of course, is going to pop up into the screen. And we're then going to be spending the majority of the film then with this character that we've now just aligned with, who is, of course, Sam. Right, we've then got a few more kind of like credits that are going to sort of pop in and out, if you like. And what we then get is this really interesting little scene where we have essentially Sam telling us a little bit about her and why it is that she's particularly alone. But also, if you pay attention to the film's style, what we can see is that she begins the film in a very bright, very busy area. And as she walks through the market and as she kind of walks in the opposite direction of people, she's walking towards the darkness. And you can then think about in terms of light and dark and what they represent. There's that kind of foreshadowing bit where she's walking past the wall, that little Easter egg, which people notice where um, so you get to see the, the names of the characters who are then going to be popping up in the film. And there's a really brief moment there where she's scared and you get some fireworks and we get some silhouettes of people, again, perhaps um, of the people we're going to be robbing her in a moment. Uh, we also see she's going further into the dark. She's walking away from the camera. So whilst we're aligned with her, we are very much aware of the fact that you know she's not always going to be on screen or she's kind of getting away from safety. And then, of course, we get the moment where she stops. She looks into the distance, she hangs up her phone, and then for the first time we get to see our gang. Now, they are shot in a way which obviously, in terms of their dark clothing and the lighting, makes them look quite intimidating, but it's clothing which, again, is recognisable of the real world. So, you know, this, as a sci-fi film, does not start off looking like this. It looks like any kind of British street... And at the moment in which she's then confronted, we get this interesting kind of thing where it's kind of like not only she's trapped in, but it's almost as if, for example, the, she's been confronted and there's going to be a standoff. OK, Moses, and then of course, robbing her. We get a couple of interesting shots in terms of being uh, shot sizes. So we get some nice like, medium and close up shots of both their faces so we can see kind of how they think, how they feel. And we get a couple of shots from below them as well, which, especially with Moses, makes him look bigger and more intimidating than he actually is. We then get kind of the shot where Sam is looking up at them she they are being uh, they're surrounding her suggesting their dominance and we really early get this sense of the film is trying to not only look realistic but it's also trying to establish relationships so the people on the floor are not as dominant as the people looking down right as the car is then destroyed we don't know what by notice the inside of the car bright blue this is something which is going to crop up time and time again and we see that then reflected in Moses face you've used all got this kind of weird sense of like where is that blue coming from doesn't quite make sense a little bit of the smoke and 
whilst the idea about a car being kind of destroyed is something which is fairly familiar, the way in which it's been destroyed, the fact that we had that kind of shooting star, if you like, suggests there's something a little bit odd about this, and the soundtrack helps to reflect that a little bit as well. Now, notice then the production design. You see that kind of the, the hole in the roof, very kind of barbed, very sharp, which is going to kind of echo and reflect the teeth from the alien. And then, of course, you've got the attack, which in terms of the editing itself, very kind of frenzied, lots of very, very quick shots, tries to make the whole thing look very kind of like frenzied, classic kind of, you know, Hitchcock, Psycho style editing. And then you've also got that idea about that kind of like blue light flashing in around again. And the first time we see the alien kind of walking away is at... Uh, it's like a long distance shot so you've got almost like an extreme long shot so you don't actually get to see the alien as it heads off and we then get the idea about for example moses and the gang notice then in terms of film style they're on bmx's bmx is a key idea something which you see with amblin and um, action adventure films from the 80s steven spielberg films also referencing things like stranger things this is a key prop um, so pay attention to the BMXs, make sure you reference them if you're talking about how the film looks like a kind of classic adventure film. This was a really key important prop which Joe Cornish put in there on purpose, reflected the films that he watched as a teenager. Um, and of course, they are, as I said, mentioned and used again in things like, for example, Stranger Things or Super 8. So they're really kind of key. All right. As we then get this scene where we have then got the gang who are going to go and confront the alien, notice again the lighting. So we've got an awful lot of smoke. We've got an awful lot of kind of bright lights and then we've got very dark moments as well. So you can never really see what's going on. And at the moment, you've got this real clear sense of light and dark are being manipulated. So you're never really sure what's happening. You know, you're not actually aware of being able to see everything at the same time. Um, so you've got some smoke. Again, a classic thing from sci-fi, this idea about, you know, where's the smoke coming from? What is it obscuring? Makes things look a little bit spooky in some respects. So you've also then got an element of horror in there as well, which is then really kind of influenced and kind of referenced in the sense of the attack and the pace of everything. And the fact that you've now got Moses, who's basically got a trophy on a stick. And this idea about, as we'll see in a moment, this being a practical effect. So this was a real puppet, something that was really made for the film. So the characters could interact with it, they could hold it. It was a very real tangible thing. And again, this was something which Joe Cornish wanted to use and wanted to reflect and something which um, he referenced explicitly because um, practical effects were used in the films that he watched when he was younger. So for example, something like Gremlins, which use lots of practical effects, real puppets, so that what you can then do is, again, have the cast and crew interact with them. And what it's doing at this particular point is kind of referencing those ideas. Right, camera then tilts upwards. So again, goes back to the stars. It suggests that's perhaps where the thing's coming from, or you know, even if it's just a transition, it's making very clear that there is something interesting that's going on there, because that's where the um, initial comet or asteroid or whichever technically it is has come down. We've then gone back up, and we then get this really clever little transition, which allows us to see not only the name of the film, also reference some of those key colors again. So um, you've got that kind of that blue, that teal, but also notice the kind of like the jet black there. Right, this shot, which I've mentioned before on my YouTube channel, not gonna go into too much detail with, but um, the block itself designed to look like a spaceship. The actual shot itself comes downwards, referencing um, Star Wars and the way in which that was filmed. You've then got on screen, which might be a useful point to pause. The layout of the building and the area, which shows a nice kind of sense of, right, what's going to be happening. But actually, there's a little Easter egg. All of the things on there are named after sci-fi writers. And again, because you have then got Sam running into that kind of area and a classic sense of, kind of British um, brutalist architecture, what you've got is, yeah, it's a sci-fi film, but it can be very much grounded in Britain, very much grounded in things which people recognise. And then when we get our first internal shot, we can then see, again, a flat a building, an apartment, a house, which is very, very recognisable to everyone. So notice how the props, very understated, very traditional, 
you know, it's trying to look like a kind of everybody's house. There's nothing in there which stands out. The lighting, however, now that we're internal, is much, much clearer. So we can see, for example, Sam's face. Yes, the lighting means that on one side of the face it's slightly brighter than some of the others, but the idea is we're supposed to now see our characters, especially because she is essentially our protagonist at this point. We're supposed to be feeling sorry for her, so the lighting has to allow us to see her face, to see her emotions. And when we then get the other character, the woman that she's talking to, notice the lighting's the same there. So they're kind of equal, if you like. You know, they are both victims in some respects and they're not particularly keen on kind of the local area. We then go back outside and notice the lighting now is much, much darker. Yes, it's darker because it's at night time, but also think about that difference between light and dark and what they represent. So there's some really interesting things to talk about here in terms of not just the BMX and the practical effects, but much like Sam earlier, when she went from the light to the dark, the characters who are in the dark are now going to be walking towards the building and the block and in theory towards the light. Notice you've got the street lights there. They're kind of like walking past at quite a slow pace. This could be referencing sci-fi films where you have for example spaceships or people walking in corridors and the things around them you know kind of move past slowly whether it's a bright star whether it's a kind of like light on the side of a corridor wall and these characters all kind of you know walking along all help to reference and show in part the hierarchy of the gang so Moses out front the other people behind they then go around the corner of the street and as they do they meet um, the girls and again notice this is very much trying to get that sense of you know this is a real street this is real Britain it's very much London it's recognizable the costume on the girls who don't have their faces obscured they're not wearing hoods you know referencing that idea about you know these are not bad people necessarily if you think about kind of like hoodie horrors and what hoods um, have represented previously but you've got this clear difference between the two in terms of not only where they stood or how they stood but you've also got that one side has got the puppet they've got the alien the others don't so there's a sense of disbelief with the girls that the boys don't have and it makes very clear that they are two separate groups of people okay um, as we're then going to leave the scene in just a moment then also pay attention to how this costume is then going to be working. So they're all very much together. They're all much a gang. They're all aligned because they're all dressed not in the same clothes, but they're all, you know, hoods up, um, baseball caps on. And then as they start walking through the estate, what we'll see is this architecture style, which you can read about more um, online, some of the stuff that I've done, for example, with the brutalist architecture looks a little bit odd in some ways. It kind of looks old, but it also looks new at the same time. Lots of very strong lines, lots of concrete, lots of grey. Um, of course, we're going to be introduced to Probs and Mayhem, but you'll see at this point here then that we've got lots of grey, but we've also got a little bit of the blue kicking in again. So notice the sides of the building, there's this weird kind of light, it's weird, kind of, weirdly kind of glowing, and you've got this kind of like blue. Now, as the characters, as the gang are getting towards the block, there is more of that blue. And as we associate that with the title, with the alien, we can see that basically what they're doing, whether they realise it or not, is they're walking towards more of the sci-fi. So essentially what this film's trying to make is clear is that they're leaving the real world, they're, re they're living they're leaving the sense of realism and they're walking towards what is supposed to look like a spaceship and they're walking towards the sci-fi element of the film yes inside the actual block and of course inside the actual um, flats and houses it's going to be realistic but here this shot has been designed very specifically to um, kind of show its influence from Stanley Kubrick other sci-fi films look at the colors look at the fact they're walking in towards the building with their hoods on so you can't see their faces almost as if they're kind of like spacemen walking towards an airlock um, right we then get inside notice inside in terms of the style we again have another character with a hood but the hood's not up suggesting that they are not a bad character they're not trying to you know, obscure their face but notice the color on the walls it doesn't quite make sense you don't really see flats you don't really see apartments or even houses with this kind of sort of bluey greeny lighting 
on the walls and notice again the difference between the characters who have their hoods up and those who don't and again if you think about those as a reference trying to suggest that idea about you know who is the good character who's the bad character and they then walk in towards the lift which is then going to be like a weirdly kind of important area throughout the film um, the way in which the uh, lifts and the corridors are shot is very purposeful. It's trying to represent the idea about a spaceship. You've got a really interesting little moment there with the wipe, so the transition from the inside of the lift um, into Sam. And that transition, the wipe is a thing which is used in Star Wars an awful lot. And again, notice then when the characters are walking down the corridor, it's lit in a way which is supposed to um, show that they are kind of bringing light. They are kind of showing the block they're kind of bringing the idea of life in with them which we know is then going to be the alien and the alien life later on but it's also again shot in that suggest in that way that it's supposed to look like it's quite contained okay so that kind of sense of like horror there's nowhere to escape there's no entrance there's no exit they're just going to be stuck in those blocks and then also again that kind of very kind of closeted claustrophobic idea suggesting that it's going to be a bit like a spaceship okay we then get the alien itself we get a kind of extreme close-up of it, and you can see how the colour, the detail, the overall aesthetic of this is very much sci-fi. And notice the most blue room that we get so far is the room in which the alien is kept. It does not look like a monkey. It does not look like something that they've won at a fun fair. It does not look in any way realistic, and it's not supposed to. And in this particular place here, in this flat, in this particular room, we are going to see more than anything else for the first time. It clearly that this is not any way um, kind of realistic and therefore the room itself the color of it needs to represent this and then when we go into the uh, front room notice again the color is completely different lots of browns lots of yellows lots of grays supposed to reflect earth um we've then got a couple of interesting shots just in terms of where the camera is placed so a lot of the characters for example shot from underneath and because it's shot from underneath makes them look a little bit bigger notice how most of the characters at this point are taking up most of the screen when they are on the shot so you've got the kind of medium medium close-up so we can see the characters faces for the first time we can get to know them a little bit better and we can start to learn a little bit about them classic sense of establishing who these characters are but notice how we're establishing there's a clear difference between who or where the humans are and who or where the alien is okay so there there is a distinct difference between the two sides and because of that the style so again the human the kids they are in this area lots of browns um, you know traditional props such as the smoking and all these different kind of things but the alien you know in an area which is contained it is blue and so it visually you've got a key difference between the two and it establishes the two separate sites okay so we then got a nice bit of exposition here where Bruce is then talking about um, you know some key things about his past that we then find out later on are going to be quite useful um, he is kind of one of those characters which uh, people generally tend to quite like because he's kind of like one of the you know the funny characters for example but in terms of like the film again you want to be thinking about him in terms of like you know his his kind of visual style who does he represent and he's representing kind of the the everyman if you like people of that sort of age um you know if teenagers can look a bit like for example moses they can also look a little bit like bruce and again it's that kind of sense of right what it's supposed to look like it's set in london in modern day london therefore let's have a character who's dressed like that um as an interesting aside the idea about bruce as a character um joe Cornish says was kind of um, influenced heavily by him um, being a young man at university, smoking drugs, um, you know, kind of thought he was you know, one of the sort of cool kids, if you like, but actually kind of felt like a bit like a fish out of water in some cases. Um, OK, so we go into Ron's weed room, which everyone always enjoys just because it's very funny, because it's a big room full of weed, belongs to Ron. But then, of course, we are now meeting our antagonists. Notice how they are relatively similarly dressed in terms of caps, in terms of um, clothes. But of course, there is a difference. And notice again how this particular shot here, 
uh, we've got the idea of them being central. And because they are central in the screen, because we can see them clearly, you know, we're supposed to be paying attention to them. They are important. And as the camera gets closer and we get these medium close-ups, we can see exactly again what the characters are like. Uh, Rom's Weed Room is a really interesting place just in terms of the aesthetic of it. So if you remove the kind of like the comedy element, the, the fact that we've got the drugs in there. It's designed to look like a classic laboratory and in sci-fi films you get an awful lot of these, whether it's Alien or um, Blade Runner or you know, many of the contemporary films which are set on spaceships or um, are generally kind of like sci-fi films. You need to have a lab and the lab is the place where people discover things, it's the place where um, things go disastrously wrong. And whilst it's going to be kind of like the safe room, if you like, it's also going to be the place where we're going to get the kind of sense of, right, what are we going to learn about the alien? What are we going to discover? And notice that because of that, it's again one of the places where you've got an awful lot of that kind of blue light. Now, that would come from the UV light, if you like. And we're going to do a little bit more analysis of this later on in the film. But the key thing about the laboratory is, or this room, sorry, is that it's supposed to kind of represent the idea about the laboratory in a sci-fi film more than it is representing a sense of it's a room where drugs are made. Um, it's also got that kind of exposition, if you like, of this is the place where Moses is going to kind of step up. So we're going to get the sense that he's supposed to be maturing, which is interesting because then later on we're going to find out that actually he's a very young man. That he's, um, he, needs, well, he needs an awful lot more support and help than he does um, kind of financial support um, and illegal activities. But the, re the weed room itself being a very secure place, obviously, is going to be quite important later on. OK, we then go back outside. Uh, Bruce watching a documentary film, we can see how quite intently he's paying attention to it. And in terms of this particular scene, there's going to be some um, interesting things in a moment, but notice just then how it was shot with kind of very shallow focus. So you couldn't see anything else in the background, almost as if he was focusing on that thing at that particular point. You don't get too many of those shots through the majority of the film, because actually what the film's trying to do is get you to see something and pay attention to the thing in front of you, but always give you that sense of there could be something else in the background. Again, a bit like a horror film. You know, you've always got the potential of something arriving or popping up or kind of just being there in the background. So you don't want to kind of lose that focus in the background, because if you can't see the background, there's no chance of something really popping into it. And this is a key thing that we see in a lot of the scenes where we get um, characters kind of framed and then the scenes generally shot in a way which allows us to, things to kind of pop into the scene. Right, get these shots, which you see an awful lot in Spielberg films, um, where you see a character who's looking out and they are then seeing something and we're seeing their reaction. So we might refer to it as like a Spielberg reaction shot or just a reaction shot in general. And you see Moses' face looking and reacting to what's going on before we actually get to see it. Um, there's a reference there, of course, to Gremlins, because that, again, is a, a key reference which Cornish mentions. But again, if you're thinking about kind of, you know, this is influenced by 80s films, family and action adventure films by Amblin, by Spielberg, then this idea about having a character looking at something is a really good way of um, kind of referencing that. But also it's just an, it's a slightly cheaper way of filming something. So you don't have to have, for example, them in the same shot and you can do separate shots of, right, can you just look out of the window for me? Can you look shocked? And then you cut to a different shot, which could be CGI or could be a practical effect where you can then see actually what it is they're reacting to. Um, you get this really fast paced thing and it's not fast paced because they're running, but it's fast paced because of how quickly you see the shots where you get to see each of the different characters giving more of an insight into their life. So we've just learned a little bit about them. We've just got kind of a bit of establishing about them and now we're going to get the same thing. So as each of the characters kind of peels off and runs into their individual house, we learn what they're like as kind of real people. We see they come from real um, families. They come from flats and we learn a little bit about their life as they do so. Um, they're each picking up weapons. And again, each of those tells us something about each of the characters. Um, you could, I suppose, analyze some of these specifically. You know, people always kind of enjoy the fact that you know, 
certain characters have limps or certain characters pick up baseball bats whereas others pick up lots of different things i think the key thing about this is more that it's kind of like a classic tooling up scene and if you've got like an action adventure scene um, in many films you always kind of kind of have this a character who needs to kind of you know get some tools or get ready kind of like a montage to get prepared um, and again, this idea about, you know, does it matter what they pick up? Possibly, you know, samurai swords, fireworks, chains, baseball bats, you know, all these things are, are kind of like there and they might represent certain things. But the important thing more than anything else to remember is that they are all essentially realistic things. They're props, which we recognize props that we could potentially um, collect from our own houses or, you know, someone might have in, in theirs, for example. Um, obviously, the difference with Moses then is that we don't actually get to see inside his flat at this particular point. So we get this nice shot with the camera um, tracked backwards. And as a result of that, we only get to see the outside. So this is reinforcing that sense of we're only ever going to know about Moses, what Moses wants to tell us. Okay, so until Moses reveals something to a different character or it's put explicitly on screen, we're not going to find out. So he's an unknown quantity, if you like. Um, characters then go outside, they're running away. Notice again, they're kind of leaving that sort of blue lighting, if you like, and that kind of key idea about the cinematography of the sci-fi. And as they then get towards the park, uh, you've then got them again wearing their hoods, they're back up, their baseball caps are back on, and they're back on those bikes in various forms. They're not all on BMXs, uh, but a lot of them are, again, kind of getting those ideas across. Uh, I've got an interesting shot here from above, um, and in terms of like a bird's eye view of the kind of crater or the asteroid, of the alien landing, perhaps a reference to H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds and the various interpretations of those that have been done. And then you get these really interesting little um, extreme close-ups of the different part of the alien's faces on the sort of like spaceships kind of thing. Uh, every now and again, you then cut back and you get this interesting bokeh effect. So that's that um, very shallow focus where you can't see something in the background because, again, what we want to see is the characters' faces. And it isn't the important thing at that particular point that we need to see the background. The important thing is we get to see the character and we get that really nice kind of, um, it almost looks like stars. You know, we kind of not quite see them at the moment. There we go. So you can see there, for example, that in the background you get a little spot of light and it kind of blooms outwards. It looks like a kind of like weird flower or a weird star in some cases. Again, referencing the idea about sci-fi, for example, does it look like it's supposed to kind of represent the idea about stars in the background, for example? Notice a lot of those colours are very similar to those kind of blues that we had already, but also the yellows potentially of stars. Um, okay, so we're now going to see the alien. And for the first time, what we're going to see is actually that key idea that ties it all together of the alien's teeth. Now, uh, in terms of the filming, I don't want to get too much into kind of the context, but as you may be aware, um, a lot of these things were done practically. So again, we had puppets. There were people in kind of like real life suits. Um, this allowed the characters or the actors to be particularly scared. Um, it also helped then to kind of reinforce the sense of, you know, those things are there for the audience as well. Um, but then in order to make them look particularly kind of scary, to make them look extraterrestrial, you then got those teeth. Um, it's a really interesting effect, really cleverly done. Um, the sense of the teeth um, was kind of done in post-production, so in CGI, kind of, you know, the teeth obviously there, they were made to be glow-in-the-dark, but they were added in, kind of like super glow-in-the-dark, if you like, um, after production. And the same goes for their fur as well. So whilst the, the kind of like the puppets, the costumes were black, the pitch blackness, um, this we might call like Vanta black, which is this black, which is so black that it almost absorbs light, so you can't really see the edges of the definition. This is designed then to um, make it really difficult to see the alien, and this was also, again, altered in um, post-production and CGI. Right, Moses then being arrested. Um, 
on the YouTube channel that I've got, this is one of the key things that I look at because I think this is a really good example of how this is supposed to look like a British um, film. It's supposed to look like it's, you know, very much a kind of classic um, British kind of working class kind of crime um, idea. And there are some references then to um, kind of like other films which will be set in similar sort of like situations. Um, the way in which then the camera kind of um, heads up to Moses allows us to see that this is what the kind of police are doing. They're patting him down bit by bit. And we know that in theory that he's in trouble, but notice you get that reaction shot again. So Moses can see off screen what the police are not looking at. And the audience know that something bad is going to be happening. Um, as he then is going to go into the van in a moment, of course, we see Sam, who's kind of like there and she's putting out this, you know, lovely bit of comedy there, which is saying, oh, can you, you know, see the people there right there? But we also know that from this perspective that there is something else coming. So there's really quite a bit of kind of tension building. But in terms of the way in which it looks, this is where we're going to get a kind of key clash, a key moment between. It's supposed to look like a realistic British film, but then also the sci-fi elements. And if you are watching certain versions of this, the aliens are generally quite hard to see. So if it's not bright enough, you can barely even see those sort of like black shapes. But what it's then going to do is really introduce the sense of this is also quite a horrific film. There isn't a strong element of horror and body horror because, yes, you've got the sci-fi, but the way in which it's then going to be shot and filmed, albeit very, very briefly, means we're going to get to see an awful lot of blood, an awful lot of gore, um, which kind of reference this sense that it's a horror film. These are not particularly nice aliens, they're not particularly pleasant, and the camera isn't always going to cut away from these things. Um, if you were to pause the film at that point, I'll slow it right down, you can literally see how much blood and gore there is, and you'll get this later on as well. But the camera does kind of cut away from it quite quickly. But the idea being that with a shot like that, with the blood going up the, the window, you know, this is a at times, it's, you know, it's, it's quite a quite a gory film. Um, then you get this idea about the two of these two properly meeting for the first time, but they are divided. Now, the reason why they're divided, is, of course, because of the, the police van itself. Um, and the way in which one of them is supposed to be the, the criminal, one's supposed to be the victim, they suppose they, they are at this point, but they're literally divided, not because of their crime, but because of their lives. So you've got the, the white woman, the black kid, and the prejudice of society. You know, they are different people who've not had the same experiences and the same opportunities in life, and therefore they are separate in various ways. Right, we've then got, again, this kind of practical idea about, right, well, how can we take something which is supposed to be a sci-fi, a horror film, and add in some uh, kind of realism to it? How are you going to get them out? Well, you're going to use fireworks, and this, again, is something which is going to be used an awful lot later on in the film. Of course, the fireworks themselves are very, very bright, but also notice, and it looks as though the police van is on fire, so it's referencing, you know, key ideas about, for example, riots in London. Um, the London riots, if you like, the, referring to the ones which happened fairly close to the idea of the release of Attack the Block came technically after Attack the Block, but there have been plenty of examples of riots both in Britain and across the world where the idea about a police van on fire will be a clear kind of reference, and it shows that there is then this us versus them uh, mentality in terms of the police, in terms of the authority, and the younger people, teenagers. Uh, you've then got fog, you've got mist, representing the idea of the unknown. You know, we can't see what's in it, and therefore we don't know what's going to happen. And notice again, blood on the windows, blood on the van. And then as we get an attack, 
that idea about this is going to be a film which at various times is going to shock you just like a horror film would and the key thing then is if you're talking about it as a horror film you can't just say that you know, the editing creates a jump scare you have to think about that idea of right well how's the jump scare created partly through sound so you get a large bang that comes out of nowhere for example you do get a kind of fleeting moment of gore for example and all of these things are things which are going to create that sense of horror and you have to be talking about it in terms of how you see the horror or hear the horror rather than just kind of it feeling horrific or you kind of having a reaction to it in some way now obviously the film itself is not a particularly long film it's what an hour and 20 i think it will take um you can look at the reasons as to why that is you know, perhaps mostly through budgetary reasons um but also just in terms of you know, the the story itself doesn't necessarily need to be particularly long um but it's kind of from like this point onwards where it's pretty much breakneck so there isn't much of kind of a rest there's not much point um where the film kind of like lets up there's basically going to be a scene of action from here on in and again you think about some of those other films where uh, we're talking about some of the references so like an action adventure film for example uh uh, a horror film, for example, the um, kind of those films in terms of that are referencing um, some of those family adventure films from like the 80s and the, the Spielberg films. Those are films which are fairly kind of relentless, if you like. You know, there's always a moment of tension. There's always going to be a piece of action just kind of along the horizon. There are moments in this where we do get, for example, exposition. So this scene here between um, these two when they're talking on the phones is one of those kind of like moments which allows me to just get a quick drink, for example. Stay with me when I do it in a second. But the idea is very much that, you know, we have got this big kind of like chase happening. There is this kind of constant um, idea in the background that's happening and therefore the action's going to represent that. So what I'm going to continue to do as we're looking at things is to kind of talk about some of the key things that are really standing out in terms of what looks realistic, what looks like a horror film, what looks like an 80s film, for example. And you might even start to be able to do these by yourself at this point. So some of the ideas will be repeating without a doubt. So this, for example, we've got literally this crash and this clash between the idea of the horror film and the sci-fi film and the realism and the kind of modern British crime film. So this scene here, for example, where the police van literally crashes into the car is that moment where the two worlds collide. And we have got, as we said earlier, the kind of like the police who are not believing what's happened. We're now going to get some other people who are going to believe what's happened. And then, of course, the aliens itself are going to be arriving. So the aliens are now moving towards the block in the same way that the people are. And because we've seen the film a few a uh, few times, hopefully, we know that this is because essentially the pheromones that are on Moses. So he has the blood, if you like, the invisible blood, the pheromones, the UV light blood. Um, on him and therefore that's why the aliens are following him attacking him but they don't know this at this point and this is why the aliens are being kind of like relentless and it seems as though that he is the person who um is kind of being followed although we don't really as we said get that at this particular point so as sam runs away she runs to the light away from the sci-fi so in theory the aliens and in theory the danger because as we know again moses is the one who's covered in this stuff but also he is the one who's then going to be bringing the aliens but then you get the prop of the gun which brings that kind of clash of the real world with the aliens for example uh notice this time now that not all of the hoods not all of the caps are on so we get this idea about moses he's going from the bad boy if you like the criminal even though he's in handcuffs he's moving towards going to be our hero so sam has run away and we are now focused on this idea about the crime the criminal the teenagers but moses in terms of his costume is shedding some of those ideas which previously we would have you know judged him on we would have stereotyped him as you know wearing a hood and these kind of things and therefore he's not going to be the bad guy as much as he was previously even though of course as we said he's in handcuffs in terms of this particular scene notice again it's a standoff so it's kind of filmed in this sense of you've got the two two different um factions the two different rivals this is then also reinforced in the sense of the props as well so of course you've got you know the teenagers who've got uh, the blunt weapons who've got the knife 
And then, of course, we've got an antagonist then who's got a gun. If you then think about Probs and Mayhem later on in the film, we've then got kind of like a further version of this. So just like in horror films, we are now going to send off a character to be isolated by themselves. So you can think about what it is specifically in terms of how this shot is framed, how it's lit, which makes this character look particularly vulnerable, that looks as though they could well be in danger. So it's not just that feeling of tension. You have to talk about how it's been created visually. So the fact that we get that, um, very low angled shot of the feet, for example, means we can't see everything. We get the pitch black behind, which means there could be something popping up into that negative space. We then get the suggestion of the light. And then of course we get to see the kind of like the unknown and then the pitch black. And we start to get this idea about the attack. And again, it becoming a very visceral thing with the neck being removed essentially and the blood and the gore. So we get again, those ideas about some of those um, films which Joe Cornish would have watched in terms of being kind of having real puppets but now adding that idea of both the sci-fi and also the idea about the horror into it as well okay so we know that basically at this point not every character is going to be safe we know that pretty much everyone's going to be in danger and we know that the aliens themselves are particularly gruesome so whenever we're supposed to see them we know that any character could die essentially in any moment and what we then know is that whenever we see a character what we want to do is not just say, okay, well, they are in danger because, but you're thinking about, right, well, we know this because of the things that are established earlier in the film, that the um, alien is very difficult to see, that when it does attack, it's more than likely going to kill you, that we know that it has these bright, sharp teeth, and therefore it's going to be very, very dangerous. Uh, inside the garage, Moses puts his hat back on, everyone revs up, great little scene where they're going to be kind of like heading off, and you could then think about this maybe as like a Western film. You get that moment where kind of like everyone's posseing up, and everyone's tooling up, and everyone's getting ready. Uh, they're hiding their identity because they don't want to be seen. They then head out, and as they head out, again, we've got those things like BMXs, we've got bikes in various forms, again, all things which relate back to those ideas, and as they enter the block again, we've got the kind of re-establishing of the sci-fi. You've got bird's eye shots that we've got here, which shows that things are kind of weirdly concrete, weirdly kind of brutalist, you know, it's designed to look like a big hefty thing. And then again, you get those things like those kind of ped upwards and those uh, tilts downwards, which allows us to get that sense of, it's a bit like being on a spaceship. So even though the building itself does not move, obviously the camera movement is designed to try to create that sense of motion. However fast or slow it is, trying to ape the idea of being a little bit like a spaceship in some way. Um, so you get this really nice scene where we get things shot from lots of different perspectives. Mostly, however, the editing here is very quick, which creates that sense of um, action. And you've also got the idea about the people trying to get into the safety of the blocks. So again, think about it like that kind of giant spaceship. People are not wanting to be outside in the vulnerable parts um, of, for example, space. They want to be indoors where it's safe. Okay, so this is where we get our first kind of like sense of the aliens really kind of attacking. We get to see them really clearly. So again, this in terms of context was mentioned earlier, so that you've got um, what would have been real people in suits chasing these characters, but then you've got the CGI enhancement on top of this. But again, notice that you've got the bright blue colors from their teeth, which is then being um, graded and added to various scenes. So you can see here that the walls themselves, the lights earlier, were fairly yellow, but the closer they get to being in the block, the more the aliens are there, the bluer they become. And you get the same thing on some of these lights externally as well. So not just the ones on the wall, but when we get close to the block, you'll see that the lights, even on the floor and on the walls, have just got this kind of like weird blue tinge to them. Uh, and there's a good example there, so you can see them in the background then with that um, shallow depth of focus. Uh, same thing kind of here. So again, you've got this sense of darkness hiding, the light and the dark being a key idea and the idea about shelter, trying to get away from the danger. 
and again you've got more of that kind of like smoke that classic kind of like sci-fi effect because it doesn't really make sense that to be any smoke at that particular point other than coming from the bikes so why is it there well it's to create that sense of it's supposed to be like a sci-fi it's supposed to be like a horror film on a horror um typical horror night for example you know like a, a halloween for example where everything's obscured okay so people go in again we get that lift again notice the way in which again it's being kind of like designed sort of like floors of a spaceship and then it's that sense of again think about you know like films where you've seen where people are trying to get into airlocks or they're trying to get into safe places if it's like a horror film for example and everyone like you know trying to close the door and keep the monster out all right so we get the uh, aliens but also notice we get the horror because we can see the um, leg for example and the horror that comes with this and the, the um, gory nature of things notice the camera work here is very shaky it's designed to kind of create that sense of panic so at moments where there are attacks that sense of the camera being very kind of like fixed here for example where we can see sam and again supposed to be like a spaceship giant numbers on the walls literally what joe corny said you might feel it like a spaceship um the camera's very fixed you know it's trying to tell us something very specific when you have got for example the moments where that's uh, spielberg reaction shot there and um, you get the moments where the character's kind of like running where there's a sense of danger or peril notice the camera becomes much shaky because it's trying to reflect the sense of right if we're an audience member when we're there how are we supposed to feel we're supposed to feel as though we are shaken we're supposed to feel as though there is you know something going wrong and we're not supposed to see things as clearly because everything is kind of panicked and then you get into some flat yes they've kind of broken in if you like she doesn't quite realize the reason why is they've broken in but notice once again the characters are removing hats they're removing things which are obscuring their um, vision and as a result of that they are not supposed to then be the the bad guys if you like they're supposed to become more human and we see this with the kind of defrosting of relations in the moment now they're, they're not worried about kind of obscuring who they are they're not worried about her seeing uh, their faces what we are going to see is as they kind of get to know each other a little bit she realizes they are normal if you like they are just teenagers trying to survive they're just teenagers kind of messing around and as moses says um, I think it's Moses anyway, that you know, it wasn't personal when they mugged her. And Sam will come to realise this as well. And one way we get that is that sense of kind of joining them in some way through their costume. And you will notice, of course, that Sam is holding a guitar. And depending how much you want to go into these kind of like analysis of stuff, that is her kind of like weapon, it's her form of defence. No, it's not too dissimilar to some of the, the gang. You know, they're just picking up pretty much the first things they could find when they were in their particular house. Yes, yeah, some of them are samurai swords. But with others, you know, it's literally, it's baseball bats, it's chains, it's whatever they can get their hands on at that particular point. It's exactly what Sam's done. So again, it's that sense of, you know, they are not different to each other in many respects, despite the fact it seems as though initially they are very separate, they're very different to each other. Um, so what we've then got, every now and again, very briefly, are the sense of the, the wound. Again, try to reinforce the sense that it's a bit like a horror film. And if you've seen some like classic kind of like zombie films like Night of the Living Dead, there's that idea about people being trapped in one particular place and a um, bad, horrific thing outside trying to get in. And so you've got the idea about barricading and people being injured and people trying to kind of think for themselves and think about a, a way to um, prevent those things that happening. We don't have that here with um ron and bruce just yet but that will be the same thing that's going to happen later on that sense that they are stuck in a particular place and what they need to do in terms of the style of the film is to create that sense of um they are isolated they are alone they are in need of help and they're going to have to somehow kind of like barricade themselves in which as i said references very much horror films and specifically kind of like home invasion and, and um, zombie films as well um, so in this scene again you get a little bit of exposition if you like but notice there's a difference between where Ron is and the blue light that's coming off the alien compared with Bruce who's very much in like the human real world 
and the lighting there is much more kind of like naturalistic. But again, what you're looking at here are those key ideas about the props in terms of making it like a real place and how this is supposed to be a fairly kind of normal-ish looking place. There's supposed to be no sense of danger here, for example. So when we see these two, you know, we realize, we appreciate that this is a place of sanctuary, that they are not in danger. And what the design and look of this overall is supposed to be is that kind of breaking of tension. And it's supposed to be a moment where um, they are relaxing, but also the audience, we can relax at the same time because there's not much visually happening other than the sense it's real. We often get these camera movements, again, as a kind of, um, cross between like a track and a pan in this kind of instance, quite low down. But notice how, as it does kind of um, track across, what it's kind of doing in some respects is it's with the wall in front of it, it's almost like it's that sense of a wipe. It's kind of allowing the wall itself to become part of the editing itself and kind of wiping from one scene to another. Again, as a transition, it references Star Wars directly. You could talk about Star Wars as an action adventure film, talk about a sci-fi film, it's kind of up to you. But the point is that this is a very specific thing that's being done on screen because um, Star Wars is a key influence on this particular film. Um, as we get Sam then doing the kind of initial consultation on the leg, we get to see every now and again, briefly, as we saw just now, the kind of the wound and we get to see the bite marks. And again, this is something which, you know, kind of is a classic horror trope. Obviously, if it's zombies, this is going to be, you know, oh, I've been bit, you know, leave me to die or cut my leg off or whatever it might be. We don't know that, that is a thing just yet. But what we definitely get is that sense of you've now got a character who's kind of been um, wounded, left behind. And that idea about uh, classic you need to have a character who's going to be in danger in some way, who's going to be kind of almost like a passenger and making it clear that he's very injured at this point. It's going to be difficult for him to walk is a really important scene so that we know that later on that um, Pest himself is going to be struggling. But also it helps to kind of like establish that, yeah, these things are um, really bad, that the aliens themselves, you know, can obviously hurt people. But it helps to once again create that sense of, right, it's a horror film because we know that people are going to be wounded, even if they're one of our main characters. Uh, you, so you're going to get a little jump scare with Moses looking through the peephole, another classic horror idea. But also that idea about the peephole can be something which references a sci-fi film. So um, very specifically, um, the idea of, of Stanley Kubrick's 2001, which I think visually is a really important film as an influence on this. You actually get to see a lot of shots from the perspective of the computer, how, uh, which are done almost as like a fisheye lens as well. So there is possibly that influence there as well in terms of how a certain thing is done. And then as we get this idea of all the people with all their weapons up, again, it's that idea about it's supposed to look like a horror film, it's supposed to look like a zombie home invasion film. And that's why you have all your characters in one particular point, all of their weapons up. And the lighting at this point now is much, much brighter, much clearer to see so that we can see actually what happens. Uh, we then get the establishing of Moses as the leader, as the hero. We see that he's basically pulling the sword out of the alien he's just killed, just like King Arthur, for example, or whatever he was called before he was king, um, retrieving Excalibur. So it's that sense of Moses is the chosen one. He is the person who's able to kill the alien, but it also gives us the opportunity um, to establish that these characters are dominant because we're then going to get the sense that they are leaning over the the. Uh, the dead alien and as a result of that we're also going to get to see the alien itself in a bit more detail as we saw just now so we get to see the fur we get to see the kind of color of it again practical effects which have then been enhanced by cgi and we can see how something just looks completely quite not real in some respects so we know in this case here as a um piece of exposition as a piece of like establishing moment what the aliens are like what they're capable of but also that moses is capable of killing them that he is the as i said the chosen one he's pulled the, the sword out of it 
etc etc um, it also links in quite nicely with the film that Joe Cornish did after this um, in terms of direction um, because it's a kind of modern day retelling of, of King Arthur so we know that that's something that's kind of probably going to be quite deliberate uh, as we go back into the corridor and again we've talked about those ideas about what these things represent notice the lighting now very very distinct very high contrast at times and because of that what it's going to be doing is then establishing the sense of right well in the fact they're safe out of the fact they are not lots and lots of shadows lots and lots of darkness and then with the low-key lighting which we've now got here again it's trying to make the characters look in some cases um it could be potentially seen as a, they are, they're bad characters but actually we get very similar things um across all their faces but then notice how it gets a little bit brighter in some cases so we can now read their faces we can see them a little bit clearer but with moses we do get that sense of we just don't know everything about him so whilst we can see everyone's faces nice and clearly he's kind of in half and half if you like half bright half dark so there is a darkness to him there is something we are unfamiliar with they then head off into the darkness the silhouettes again darkness danger bad times whatever it might be and the camera uh, the camera then the editing itself also does a similar thing you know moves to dark but no really clever little thing almost like a wipe because the window rolls down and as the window rolls down as it's a wipe again referencing that idea about star wars but it's just a really clever practical way of actually getting to that that scene that sense of this is a real thing it's a car everybody recognizes what this is uh okay so again notice lots of that kind of blue there interesting kind of contrast and difference between the the blue um of the building of the block itself and the and the real world and the mercedes and Again, you could talk about the Mercedes being all shiny and um, kind of metallic. It's supposed to reference, again, spaceships, possibly, maybe. Um, but it's definitely a very clear thing. And then as we get um, kind of this kind of like exposition, notice then that we've got more of this idea about, for example, uh, what can we see in the distance? We don't know. And then because we don't know what's going on, we kind of are unaware of and we're not sure what will happen at any moment. And we get that reaction shots of characters. And in order to get the reaction shots, you can need medium close-up, maybe even big close-ups of people's faces so that you know we can see their reaction, but we can't see anything else that's happening. So that kind of constant tension of something that may or may not be happening. Right, perfect chance for me to get a little drink. Let's move into the second half of the film. Okay, so, terrible song aside, there is the comedy of the seatbelts. Again, you know, buckle up for a bumpy ride, telling the audience, you know, there is something that's going to happen, prepare yourself here. They're heading towards the block. We know that there is going to be some um, big event that's going to kick off at some point. And this shot here, again, of that kind of like spaceship, but also referencing Die Hard. So Nakatomi Plaza, the idea about the giant um, building, which is then essentially under siege. We've got our main characters who are stuck inside. Um, it's something that Joe Cornish has referenced, and we will see again later on in the film, especially in the uh, final scene where Moses is hanging out at the front of it, um, just like John McClane did. Uh, more stairs, more blue, lots of really interesting little shots in terms of kind of like the size to suggest who is dominant and who isn't. Notice it's Moses once again, who's leading. Notice he's higher than everyone else. Notice that Sam is behind. We are genuinely filming her from a um, an angle which makes her look inferior compared to the others. And then a great shot there of the alien kind of, you know, almost like an over-the-shoulder shot. And as um, hopefully you'll be aware, an over-the-shoulder shot generally suggests that you're going to have like a standoff. There's going to be a sense of 
um, a clash. We had this earlier on in the film. We've had it arguably a couple of times as well since. And now you've got that idea about, well, the alien is going to be involved in this as well. So you look over someone's shoulder, look at what they're kind of they're going to be attacking or who they want to be attacking. And then we're going to go into the girls' flat. So girls' flat, obviously, because the girls have some pink in there. So we've got um, pink phones. We've got pink wristwatches, pink all over the place. Uh, and you could look at it and say, OK, well, it's not particularly... Um, it's very, very stereotypical. It's very, very broad as an idea. Um, but more than anything else, it's supposed to be thinking about kind of not what the colour represents, but how it generally makes things look. So the idea about the girls' flats, it's supposed to be a much um, softer, calmer, peaceful place to be. Um, as we go outside and we get problems of mayhem who are in the corridors, again, it's supposed to look like a um, spaceship, and you get the sense of the gang themselves, because they're taking up the entirety of the shop, suggest they kind of like own those corridors, they own that particular block. But notice here the lighting is very, very harsh. You know, everything's very bright. We can see everything that's happening apart from Moses again, because he's got that kind of like darkness to him. But it's not supposed to look particularly comfortable. You know, it's supposed to look almost like clinically white, perhaps more of a hospital than a um, spaceship in this particular instance. You know, look at the colours that you've got on the on the um, on the walls itself above the green. So you've kind of got like that white, that kind of blue, maybe analyzing the very industrial lighting on the roof, which again, very similar to like that other hospital. But then inside the girls' flat, which we saw and we will see again in a moment, is, you know, much softer, much pinker, much more kind of homely. Um, you've got less industrial lights, more domestic lights. Yes, everything's nice and bright and you can see things, but it's, a try it's supposed to look a much more kind of like homely, comforting place than being outside and certainly being out outside in the in the world with the darkness um, of course there's some interesting things then you could talk about in terms of the style so if you want to analyze literally the the look of the um girl's flat in terms of how it looks different to some of the others especially when it comes to for example like ron's flat or as we'll see later on um, of course moses is supposed to look a very distinct difference between the two um all right so then got this mention here of things like the military You've got this kind of like exposition of kind of like why is this happening? Why isn't this happening? Again, that kind of idea about in a zombie film, you get characters who are stuck inside. Things like, right, are the army going to come and save us? What's going to happen here? And that again is kind of reinforcing this idea of right. Well, this is building up to something. It's creating that sense of this is us versus them. It's trying to establish the style of these guys are all together in some way. And because of this, they are a kind of like gang of friends, but on the outside, something seriously bad is going on. And so here, because they're all friendly, because they're warm, um, because they're comfortable, that's what the lighting's supposed to represent. That's what the colour's supposed to represent. That's why people are shot in this way, which shows them kind of slinked into the sofa. Notice how it referenced um, very similar things earlier. So when we were in um, Ron's flat, you know, those very similar kind of like low angles to show that people are um, on the sofas. They're very comfortable but also they are kind of very happy around each other. There's no kind of like imminent danger. And that's what this is trying to show and suggest as well. Uh, we've still got some ideas about um, you know, those characters being on the screen in terms of medium close-ups or big close-ups. Again, so we can see people's faces, we can see their reactions. But notice what, what we've got here more than anything else is that this is supposed to be one of those final scenes um, where you've got characters who are kind of like relaxed. They're able to kind of not worry too much about things. But again, notice Moses generally by himself, generally shot in a way, especially from this point forwards, where 
you can't really see his face. It's still slightly obscured compared to some of the others. So we know that he's not only uh, he's the leader, but he's also going to be somewhat secretive. There's something slightly different to him compared to the others who are brightly lit, uh, shot in a way which means that we can see them nice and clearly. Uh, interesting bit of performance there where John Boyega leans forward, kind of establishing again that he's different from some of the others. And then he's going to kind of like lift his head from underneath his peak with this idea of, you know, he is the leader, he's the person who's going to kind of take charge on this. And so we need him to be kind of front and centre, if you like. And we do get that a couple of times um, in the film, especially from like this point going forward, where you know, he's shot differently to others to show that he is the leader, that he stands out from some of the others. Okay, more of that sort of Spielberg reaction shot. But a particularly effective one in this instance, because we've seen it already, so we think we know what we're going to be looking for. But... In actual fact, it's much different this time because it's much more serious. So if it were to be much more serious, you need much more aliens, you need much more people. Um, and then before we get to the action scene, again, you've got that like, classic tooling up, but again, very practical effects. So you've got people literally wearing um, bike helmets rather than uh, suit of armors, or um, it might be like a space suit, for example. Um, we know that Moses can kill some of these things, but of course there are more than one of them this time, so we know that this is going to be a very difficult scene for him. We know it's not going to be a particularly easy thing for him to kind of like achieve. And then we're going to get more of the blood, more of the gore, in a really kind of horrific way. Um, kind of done in a somewhat comedic fashion, I suppose, in the way in which kind of the head goes popping off. But we do get that idea about you know, the aliens once again have come in killed and they've done it in a really gruesome gory way just like again if it was like a horror film like a zombie invasion film that's exactly what we would see uh, you've got some references potentially to kind of like samurai films where moses and the samurai sword and where he's kind of like holding up in front of him which we get to see a few times um then when the aliens are attacking notice again that the camera this time is now kind of moving all over the place it's become much more kind of frenzied it's much more difficult to see some of the things that are happening which is supposed to reference the the idea about the panic and the dread that the characters are experiencing at this particular time. Notice again, props, very practical, ice skate, lamp, all these things. You know, so designed to look very kind of like realistic versus the aliens. And this all comes from, again, Joe Cornish's idea of, well, you know, if, for example, an alien invasion, if there was supposed to be something like this that would happen, how would it be that people would kind of, you know, repel, how they would attack, how they defend themselves? And um, he literally asked people in the community, people of this particular age said, right, well, what would you do? And these were some of the things they said. Uh, these were some of these ideas. So again, very, very specific ideas that was um, given to him, but also combining them, of course, with some of those key contextual ideas of um, he lived in a very similar area. He was robbed. Um, he was robbed by people who were very young. They had very similar kind of like weapons at that particular time in that if they didn't really have any. Um, it was all kind of, you know, suggestion of, is that a real gun? Is it toy? You know, I can't see certain things. He doesn't really know what's going on. Um, and so, Again, you see those things in the film, and then you get the moments of shot like that. For example, we see the outside of the um, block, which again are referencing Die Hard. So, you know, it's mixed in with the idea of him having ideas and him experiencing things, but also things which he has seen, things which he's enjoyed, and things which he wants to kind of put into the film as a filmmaker. And we know that those things are deliberate because of either things he said in commentaries or things he said in interviews, but also they're things which we can kind of like reference and look at and compare side by side and say, well, look, that's so similar to this that it must be a particular reference that he's doing on purpose. Now, the lights are fluttering and flickering for no real reason, but of course, again, think horror films, think hospital scenes, 
take zombie films where the power goes out for whatever reason and you can't see people as clearly we don't know what the danger is the interesting thing here of course is that we've also then got the human antagonist so hi-hats himself as we've seen previously is the antagonist in this film um you could argue that in terms of like you know as a metaphor the actual kind of like um antagonist is you know society or you know it's um it's, it's poverty there's lots of kind of contextual things you might want to bring into this but really the person who's kind of actively hunting Moses down is of course um, hi-hats yes he's being hunted by the aliens but it's not a personal thing whatsoever and they also trying to attack everybody you can also then talk about those in terms of you know, what is that referencing where does it come from but it's the, one of the most obvious examples of um, you know pure horror uh, we will see more of this with hi-hats later on but it's uh, if you're talking about this as a horror film and it borrowing elements of horror films, that's a really good thing to reference. Um, the idea about, you know, obvious, like, you know, blood and guts and gore and being stuck in a particular place with someone or something. And then very similar thing here, of course, when you've got, like, the attack on the bin, again, shot in that style, which is supposed to be light and dark and the camera's moving and the sound is very kind of out of nowhere. It becomes very loud. It's supposed to be very much this idea of you know it is an attack and how do we make the audience feel like it's an attack or well, we use things from other horror films which have happened before uh okay as we go back to bruce walking out of the darkness into the light the idea about kind of not knowing something and learning something um you know it's obviously it's one of those kind of like motion sensitive time sensitive things but it's a very clever idea that what you're doing is controlling the light in the same way you're controlling the information so Bruce knows very little actually about what's happening at this particular point and he's going to be confronted by it with this particular shot here so again we've got that idea about over the shoulder shot but the tilt upwards this time allows us to see things in its gruesome bloody detail the first time we really get to see this much blood and this much gore for this long a period of time uh, obviously, hi hat's been covered in the blood. Could reference lots of different things in terms of violence, in terms of death. And the thing for Bruce is at this point is that actually what it looks like is that he has killed those people that are in there. It looks like he's been responsible for those things. Now, we know different, but notice how Bruce, he seems to extinguish the light. And that might suggest that he is a person who's responsible for death. So taking the light away from things, taking the light away from people. Uh, interesting Cantit slash Dutch angle there of Bruce in the lift, which suggests that things are kind of all over the place, that he's not feeling particularly well. And then again, you get that kind of like panic of everyone running into the lift and the lift door closing a bit like a wipe. Again, that kind of like Star Wars, that transition as the characters are moving upwards. We want to get from one scene to another, so we're going to wipe across so we can kind of like remove this particular thing. But we've got another example here of the characters being stuck in a particular place, kind of under siege. just listen to some of the dialogue there it's so good um of course in terms of the dialogue it's not one of the things you're, you're analyzing in terms of the film style and the way in which it looks or the way in which it sounds though we've not done too much on sound actually i'll try to see if we can do a bit more um but of course the dialogue which i'm sure you're all familiar with is one of those things which joe cornish um went to local community centers local areas and he was kind of speaking to people and saying right okay so what's some of the slang what kind of words are you guys using what would i need to include in the film um, so that people can, you know, it, it creates a sense of this is this is realistic and it's interesting that you know, some of the words which might not have been kind of particularly well known um, outside of um, certain areas of London are now kind of fairly ubiquitous. So like bear, for example, is one of those things which I don't think was particularly popular at the time. It wasn't used by too many people outside of London, but certainly is now kind of everywhere. 
Uh, so we had another shot there of the building on the outside, and you've got that nice mix of the, the practical and the CGI of the aliens clambering up it. Again, referencing to spaceships and diehards. So you're getting all these kind of like things now just kind of like constantly mixed in together. So, as I said, probably repeating some of these ideas quite often. So the key thing for you at this point now is because you know what these things are, we've established them. It's all about you being able to decide which things you're going to be talking about. You know, when you are analysing this, you don't want to analyse every single thing in the same way in which I'm trying to do here. You want to pick out the things that are important. So you pick out two, maybe three key scenes. And in those key scenes, you're talking about, right, what does it look like? What does it sound like, maybe? And where have those ideas come from? So maybe you do a scene where it looks like a horror film, for example. Maybe you do a scene that looks like an action film, like this one, for example. Maybe you can do a scene earlier on, which makes it like a sci-fi. It's kind of up to you, but the key thing is you're not trying to look at a scene and analyse it in every single style. You are taking something which is important for that particular thing and analysing it, which you are most comfortable with. So with this particular scene, for example, because of the smoke, because of the lighting, you know, you could look at it from horror, you could look at it from sci-fi, look at it from action adventure, you could look at it from all sorts, really. But it's up to you in terms of what are you most comfortable with? Can you maybe reference another film very briefly in terms of, right, it looks like this particular shot from this particular film here. Um, nice shot there, which is obviously used a lot in the promos. As we said before, this idea about kind of like the smoke and going into the unknown and the darkness and all those kind of things. You know, is it like a horror film? Does it like a sci-fi film? Does it look like whatever it might reference specifically so it's up to you to kind of choose but i think this is a really interesting scene because of notice that the light suddenly comes on and we've got the really high contrast it goes very very bright and of course we're going to get in a moment this kind of sense of confusion of things going all over the place of people not knowing where they are what's happening and what's going on creating that tension how's that then created and we'll look at that in a little bit of detail as we get to see or we don't get to see what's happening and also in the case of the sound here, if the soundtrack kind of dips out, if you like, it's more about the diegetic sound. The unknown, we're supposed to hear the sound effects, we're supposed to hear the aliens. You know, we're not, our, our um, audio experience is not being kind of obscured by the soundtrack, for example. It's not trying to create attention for us because it's all being done visually. So that when the camera does a um, whip pan for example you know we can't see one side we can't see the other when we hear the diegetic sound of the alien we don't know where it's coming from and then we get that sense of just you know jerome on screen in lots of big close-ups and when it's trying to suggest that because we can see his face and he doesn't know where he's going and he's moving around in the same way as the camera sometimes against it that you know something very confusing is going on and he is in danger he's in peril there's an awful lot of tension and then of course if you're thinking about you know the specifics of the Fog, that might be some films that are, um, you know, traditional horror films, The Fog, for example, um, you know, kind of thinking very specifically about some of the films you might want to compare it to. And I do think that's an interesting thing to perhaps do sometimes is if you have got a scene where you are referencing, you know, like the fog or the lighting or something that's very visual. If there is an example of a film which you have looked at, which you are familiar with, then by all means use that as an idea. Um, you know, you can talk about and reference how the, the hand sticking out might reference um, you know, the kind of jump scare in Friday the 13th, for example. You can talk about how the, the frog and the, the, the fog and the kind of obscure nature of the sea things might be a reference to Jaws, for example. Um, you might talk about, as I kind of mentioned earlier, the idea about kind of like zombie invasion and the home invasion um, kind of thing might uh, reference the idea of something like Night of the Living Dead. So there's an awful lot of things that you can do 
in terms of when you are then doing that comparison, it is really important that you're just kind of making it as a brief thing. Now, when you're analysing this film, you want to analyse attack the block, but you might reference very briefly that it just so happens to look like this particular thing from this film, but that doesn't mean that you're analysing that film in detail. You're just referencing it as a point and saying, well, it looks like this because, okay? So the key thing there is almost like it's kind of like a, a visual metaphor, if you like, and you're trying to find those comparisons there. Um, so as we get to this point and we're getting towards kind of the end of the film, um, obviously, we've got a lot of kind of, again, hidden things. You know, the, the gang don't know that Hi-Hats is in there. Um, we've got shots which kind of echo shots before. So we've already seen this kind of establishing of, you know, Ron and him kind of peeking through the door and then actually being there, no one behind. So then when we see this again later on, we're not expecting anything. Um, however, also notice the setup for this particular shot is we have already seen this shot where you have got the window behind and the... Um, characters are looking out of the window and the aliens kind of arrive so we kind of know through the creation and the establishing of the earlier shots what may well happen here so we get that kind of visual foreshadowing so you get see you get something you get to see something you get the establishing of it earlier on in the film and then we revisit it later on so as an audience member you already are aware of visually what may be happening at this point and then narratively might what be happening so you know at this point we are not supposed to be worried for for example Moses, we are in some ways kind of slightly afraid because obviously the aliens, but we are aware that it's going to be hi-hats who doesn't know what's going on, who's going to die. And so therefore, you know, we're not particularly worried about him. Um, notice again the kind of the black, the darkness of the, of the aliens, referencing the idea about kind of, you know, death and darkness. Um, this is probably the most kind of obvious, brutal moment of the film in terms of what you actually kind of get to see of, of hi-hats. And if you pause it, it's, it's a pretty grisly, gruesome work. Um, and again, you could talk about films that that might reference, but this is another example of that horror film. This then, as we get inside the uh, weed room, is one of those moments where it's starting to build up towards the end of the film and therefore we get a kind of moment of relaxation. The characters feel as though they are able to relax, they are not in danger, they're not in peril, and we therefore as an audience member get to kind of prepare ourselves, ready for the kind of the denouement, the final um, moment, the final action scene. This scene is particularly important in referencing those ideas about sci-fi in terms of how it looks. So again, that blue light all the way through, literally generated by the UV lights, so the kind of practical element of the, of the scene, but it's also referencing that sense that this is a sci-fi film. You could then take it even further, so you could talk about the fact that it's a, um, a place where things are being grown, and as a result of that, how it's you know, a typical sci-fi trope, so a typical sci-fi convention, something where you see someone who is creating something, they are making life, they are you know, designing and making something from scratch, you know, and you could talk about a million sci-fi films in which that happens. Um, one of the key ones, I think, to this is probably Alien and Aliens. Those, of course, being sci-fi and horror films are things which are referenced all the way through this film, and I think you get some really clear examples of these in this particular scene. Of course you have an alien and of course you have a laboratory but you also have the idea about a kind of queen alien. You've got the idea about um, things being created and things being sort of made and then you've got this shot here with Moses looking directly at the alien which is a clear reference to um, some of the shots we've seen in uh, alien films of the protagonist Ripley looking at the aliens or kind of confronting or being confronted by the aliens face to face. Um, so again it's another kind of key visual thing and you would need to if you're kind of talking about that just make a kind of like passing reference that you know Joe Cornish is influenced by this and therefore this is why this thing is shot in this particular way. So we get some things here in terms of the um, exposition so we've got Brewis, we've got Pest kind of you know talking and we get Sam kind of asking questions and we get to find out that what Brewis was talking about earlier 
you know, kind of does make sense here and that we're going to find out and through this exposition exactly what's happening. Um, and it's a really clever script writing because what it does, it kind of establishes very quickly what actually the issue has been all the way through. But it's never been one of those things which kind of has always dominated the film. It was kind of mentioned early on that Bruce knows some of this stuff. The aliens are chasing Moses. We didn't know why. And now as we get towards the end of the film, what we understand is that actually they recognise this stuff. And because of this, they can change things. They are able to... Um, kind of get on top of things so in this sense Bruce is a bit like a scientist he is able to explain things he's able to kind of make clear to people exactly what's happening and what can be done and because he's a bit like a scientist where you're going to find scientists in a laboratory so you can see how these things then are kind of pulled together and you can see through the use of the practical effects of the lights but also just the general way in which this scene has been set up it's supposed to reference those laboratories from classic sci-fi films so you've got lights, you have got pipes, you have got wires, you have got desks. You've got the kind of things you would expect to see in a laboratory that you would expect to see in a spaceship. And yes, whilst it's a room for growing drugs, it is literally designed and set up in terms of the production design to reference those ideas about sci-fi. But as we've already said, and as Moses here is referencing when he's talking about the people who have died, is that we are setting up the sense that it isn't just a sci-fi film, okay? We need more than just people walking around, people talking about you know, science fiction stuff. We're gonna need some form of action. We're going to need some form of kind of horror, if you like. Now, this moment where Moses is kind of coming up with a plan, again, is that kind of traditional idea from an action adventure film, whether it's going to be a, a kind of like lone wolf film like Die Hard, for example, whether it's gonna be something like maybe The Goonies or, um, uh, E.T., when you've got a character who's then kind of coming up with a plan, when you've got this idea about people kind of working out, right, how can we solve this issue? And they're kind of talking aloud via exposition. This is a classic trope of that genre. Um, you see this done really well in the J.J. Um, Abrams film, Super 8, um, released not too long before Attack the Block, which again is another kind of film which uses those ideas about Amblin films from the 80s, classic action adventure films, and takes all those things and kind of uses that nostalgia so that when we're watching the film, we understand why it looks that way and why it acts in that particular way. And of course, the differences of Attack of the Block is because Joe Cornish has an understanding of this particular world and he understands and he recognises what London is like and what the people are like. He decides to set that idea in here rather than taking the idea and kind of putting it elsewhere. Um, OK, so we've got Probs of Mayhem doing this thing. I mentioned this before, so um, when they come back on screen in a second, we'll see that idea of they don't even have weapons. They have literally a water pistol. And so you've kind of got that degradation, if you like, or gradation of the... Um, the adults, they have guns. The teenagers, they have weapons they found. The kids, the youngest people, they don't even have those. Um, they literally have water pistols, for example. Um, notice then, in terms of how they managed to kill the alien, it is through the use of the fire. And again, that idea about kind of light and darkness, light being kind of hope, dark, darkness, of course, being death and, and despair and despondency. So the fact that they managed to light the darkness on fire suggests there is hope, suggests there's a way out. And notice then when they also jump in to the um, bin, we get more of this as well. We get this sense of they've got the lighter there and because they've got the lighter, they are bringing hope to the situation. And then we've got this kind of great scene where you get Bruis almost doing like a body scan, if you like, of Sam. And yes, he's literally using a light and he's trying to find kind of, you know, UV pheromones. But what he's literally doing is he's referencing those films where you have, for example, in Alien, a body scanner looking for signs of life. Have you been impregnated? Or in a zombie film, for example, where someone is checking someone to see if they have been bitten. So again, these are clear 
references of, yeah, it's a room where drugs have been kind of made and stored, but also the way in which we're going to film this and the reason why this thing's here is because it represents those things that you know, Joe Cornish has seen that the production designers are aware of. In this particular scene, note town now that Sam is wearing one of the hoodies, basically become one of the gang. And notice then that we've got in this shot here as the medium close up, we've got our two protagonists. So they are shot same size in the middle of the screen when we get away from Pest and go back to those two, they're kind of framed in this shot in a way which makes it clear that these two are our lead characters, okay? It's not just Sam anymore, it's not just Moses. And then, of course, the particle of the ring, which I suppose you could reference in Lord of the Rings, but a million different things as well, shows that he now respects her, that he apologises, that they are equal in some way. And the way in which it's shot is designed to show that they are equals. Um, we've got some great acting by the pair of them here. Performances are something you want to reference if you're talking about aesthetics and the look of things. Um, but it is important to know that if you've got two characters who are talking, if they are acting, if they're trying to do something where the audience is trying to feel what they are feeling, you know, create a sense of empathy, it's really important then that we are able to see this through the close-up. For example, here, this almost big close-up of Sam's face, we can see how worried and scared she is because the camera's so close to her face. If, for example, it was much further away, we wouldn't be able to see so. And so even just a small shot like this is a really important one to be able to reference. You could also talk about, again, this kind of shot, really funny moment of Ron deciding that he's going to basically go and hide. Uh, again, kind of reference from before. So we've seen him kind of peeking his face through the door. But notice then there is a clear distinction between Sam. Her full body is on the wall. Her face is out. She's peeking around the corner. Ron doesn't. And it tells us that she is a more fearsome character. You know, she has more um, courage than Ron does. He was literally hiding. And that's why his face is obscured. You could then also reference, again, some of those films like Alien and Aliens, where you have the protagonist who is a um, strong, independent female lead character. Now, that is Sam in this instance. She is going out. She is walking past the aliens. She is not doing what Ron's doing and kind of being scared. She's kind of taking charge, if you like. And we see her at the start of the film running away from the gang, hiding. And now she's doing the complete opposite. She's kind of running through the aliens and she's trying to make the difference. She's trying to kind of um, make it really clear that she is trying to basically save everyone. So again, we've got that echoing of the shot from earlier on. The difference being, of course, this time that we are going to be going inside the flat. So whilst the door then closes, we then cut to the internal shot of Moses' flat. And this is a, a really important scene, I think, in terms of we're getting towards the end of the film. We're starting to realise that maybe he's not quite the bad guy that he was made out to be. And that now through this shot, which again, just after that reaction shot, we get to see Sam um, looking very specifically at the flat and as a result of that we get to learn about Moses at the same time so we are discovering at the same time there is much more to Moses than we originally thought and as a result of this it's a really powerful scene in creating that connection for both Sam and us as an audience member towards Moses we feel that empathy we feel that sympathy and again those little props like you know the, the Spider-Man who they cover the fact that the bed isn't properly made of a sheet the fact that he has a TV in his bedroom but it is a small old TV the fact that we see you know, used takeaway boxes. Those tiny little props which make up the production design of his bedroom are really important because what they're basically telling us is that he is a very, very young man. He is very, very lonely, very isolated. And even the, you know, the use of the kind of like the coffee stains on the, on the side and the damp that we get on the floorboards, these little things tell us that he has been essentially neglected and he's been kind of made to fend for himself. And then we kind of get that sense of, you know, she really does feel for him because she says to him, good luck. Now, part of that is because, of course, she wants the aliens to be killed, but she knows exactly what's going on there. So this great scene or this great shot, which I think is really important, of Moses kind of looking outwards. Again, I think it's a, uh, a direct reference to aliens and Ripley wearing the power loader, especially the way in which the lights are kind of there. 
yeah, you've got the alien itself and the, the way the lights are kind of like sticking out from the side room looks as though it makes him look bigger, essentially makes him look ready for battle. And then you've got the sense of kind of like the explosion and this absolutely brilliant shot in terms of just the general look of it and the aesthetics of the fireworks, the explosions, the sparks, Moses jumping over these aliens, the kind of bright teeth, it all being done in slow motion so you can see everything in lots and lots of detail. It's just a beautifully put together little sequence and there's an awful lot you could analyse there. Again, in terms of you know, there's things we've talked about before, but now kind of really ramped up. So you can see things in slow motion. So you can see things like, for example, the lights flickering. You can see the corridors. You know, is it that this corridor represents a hospital? Does it represent a um, spaceship? These things we've talked about before. But essentially, is this a big metaphor for something? So actually, are the aliens, in terms of them being death or despair, are they representative of something for Moses? And he's trying to run away from the death and despair. He's trying to run away from his past mistakes and he's trying to make things better. So you can go quite in quite a lot of detail here in terms of like a metaphorical reading. Um, we've also mentioned and referenced things like um, Die Hard, for example, in terms of this kind of like overall block, which we'll see again in a second. But we get this an awful lot in many different action films where you get that kind of like tension and build up of is the person going to be able to achieve what they're trying to do? And so you might see like a car not starting or a gun not going off. Or in this case, here, a, a light and a lighter not catching a light. And as a result of that, you get those increasing amount of close ups. So you have kind of like a distant shot. And as the tension increases, you have kind of cuts to closer shots of the light. So you can see it really, really clearly that it finally has lit to kind of create that or relieve that tension, if you like. Um, so then you get these external shots of people kind of like looking up at the block. And again, there are loads of films where you have people kind of you know, looking up at buildings, looking up and reacting to things. With Moses hanging on to the Union Jack, it's a, it's a brilliant shot. I think there's, it's really underrated, this kind of ending, because it does happen quite quickly. But I think in terms of what it's trying to show and what it's trying to represent about Moses, I think it's a really, really important shot. And yes, of course, you can talk about it being a bit like, as we said, Die Hard and Nakatomi Plaza. But what it's really doing is making clear that Moses is representative of almost like the everyman. You know, he could be in many um, instances almost any teenager and that sense of people looking up at him and him being the hero, him being representative of Britain, him kind of being in charge of the block, not literally in terms of, you know, like hi-hats was, but he is the saviour of the block, if you like, and he's now lit in that way so that he is lit from below. He is shot from below. He's designed to be kind of shown and created here as the person who is not necessarily in charge, but the saviour, if you like. Um, and then we get towards the end here, we get the scene of kind of all the police and the FBI arriving. Again, these are classic things we've seen in many, many different zombie films, for example. Um, and even like Shaun of the Dead, for example, like very end, you get you know, the police kind of arriving. But this is a kind of classic thing of, right, or how do we wrap things up? Where well, we get the saviours. They come and uh, rescue people at the last minute. Of course, it's also wrapped up in that kind of um, context of the socioeconomic background of London and are they targeting certain people here? So, for example, you know, Moses is clearly being, you know, set up in some respects you know he's in the wrong place at the wrong time but you know would he be treated the same way you know if he was white for example um you then see some of these ideas kind of played out earlier on in the film and we get a little bit of that towards the end and i think what's one of the most powerful thing about films is of course that moses is the person who is the hero of people even if you know the police don't recognize or realize that it's you know suggesting that idea about the authority don't recognize what's going on they don't realize what the kind of the truth of things are and Again, if you're talking about then other films, there are many, many different films where we see authorities, you know, FBI, army, police, whatever it might be, who don't understand the situation on the ground, especially in zombie films. But of course, then how are you going to reference that? Will you talk about it in terms of 
You have people in high-vis jackets who are designed to stand out. You have the police in their police uniforms who are a gang of themselves, you know, because they're all dressed the same. They're all doing the same things, but they're getting it wrong throughout. But then when we see the reaction of the crowd and people's faces, we know that the police have got this essentially wrong. Um, we then have, again, some more references to some shots that we saw earlier. So this time we've now got Sam, which is going back and basically saying, you know, that I got this wrong, that he is a hero. And we know that this is something they're going to believe her eventually, hopefully, because of the way in which previously she was seen and previously she was shot. And then again, we've got that idea about Moses behind bars, something that we've seen earlier on. And we know that actually he got out from that situation last time, admittedly through an alien attack. So we know that he's probably going to be released from this particular situation at this point. And we know that he has been wrongly arrested, although arguably he did like Sam. So maybe he hasn't been wrongly arrested um, and then as you get towards the very end we get this great scene of kind of everyone cheering people being arrested again does it reference things like riots does it reference things like gigs and clubs you know people are kind of like together they are chanting they are kind of you know in spirit friends their own kind of like gang if you like and then when we get Moses towards the very end here we see that he's now kind of like fully lit he is know much more uh, he's not as obscured you know we understand what he's like as a person we can see the look on his face we can see the look on Pest's face and you know they all recognize and realize through this smile that we finally get from Moses that actually you know he's done the right things and the people are respecting him for what he has done I've talked an awful lot um I apologize that I have gone so quickly because there's a million things I think you can analyze with this film um as I've kind of mentioned before, I think this is an incredible film and I think there's loads you can analyse with it. What I'd probably suggest is if it does feel like there is just too much, is just to pause it, um, you know, go back, look at certain things in detail, maybe even slow down my voice at various parts or maybe just focus on like one or two things at various times. Um, but yeah, there's an awful lot in there, so I hope that it has been particularly useful. Um, I don't know how this is going to end up being online. The plan is there will be an audio version as a podcast. There will be hopefully a visual version with a couple of these images on screen. Um, if you manage to get hold of this on YouTube, please leave some comments if you think there's a particularly useful bit. So you might put like a timestamp where people can kind of go through and pick out some certain things. If it's done as one of the podcasts, as an audio file, then you can send in a voice message. Um, if you've got any comments again, or we've got any particular timestamps or any of your own ideas that you want to add in, and I can add those to the comments and kind of add those in, in follow-up episodes. Um, and if you've just downloaded this from the website, then feel free to kind of like take it and share it amongst friends to chop out bits that you think are particularly useful. And again, just to kind of get in touch and share if you've got any ideas that you've come up with by yourself. That's it. I'm done. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. If you've managed to get a visual version of this done, I hope it's been useful and I will hopefully um, do another one of these again soon. So if you've got any recommendations, you've got any films you want to have a look at, um, then give me a shout and I'll see which ones I can do soon. All right. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye bye.